0: Hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and wellbeing? My name is Brian Crook and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace wellbeing thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe and well workplaces of the future. Hello and welcome back to the Work Well podcast. Today in the show, I'm delighted to welcome Tony Nestor. Tony is head of people engagement, customer services at AIB. Tony's had a varied career in AIB and she worked mainly in operations areas, managing large teams. Now as head of people engagement in the customer services division, one of her key areas of responsibility is driving the wellbeing agenda for a diverse multi-location workforce of over 1,000 staff. Tony chairs the AIB Wellbeing Governance Council who decide the areas of wellbeing that AIB focuses on. Tony is responsible for ensuring that the AIB wellbeing advocates, of which there are over 100, are fully aware of all wellbeing initiatives. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Tony Nester. Tony, hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast.
1: Thanks very much, Ryan. Thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Uh, so how are you? How have the last few months been for you and, and your work and your, and your home life?
1: Yeah. Uh, a bit strange, I suppose, which is, is probably something that everybody is saying. And I, I think little did, did we all know back in March uh, when we listened to Leah Radker from Washington telling us that the country was closing down, that we would be entering into our second lockdown. Um, but I suppose for me, um, it ha- as I said, it has been a bit strange working from home the majority of the time. I do have the opportunity to go into the office now and again, which is nice. And it allows me, I suppose, to interact with with different people. I think one of the things that I'm finding awfully difficult at the minute is the lack of conversation outside of COVID. And when you do meet different people, you have different stories. And and that kind of has has given me a, a bit of energy. I suppose from my side, I was here at the dining room table for the majority of the time. My husband was in the kitchen and my son was attempting to uh, study for his leaving Cert until it it was cancelled. So it it was difficult us all being in in the house all of the time. But we've gotten used to it. Um, My son is now in college uh, remotely. I have set up my own office upstairs in the box room and uh, my husband is going to work most days. So there is a little bit of routine there now, which is great.
0: Excellent. Yeah, you, you certainly adapted there, by the sounds of it. And you, you certainly had, you certainly had it all going on there, especially with the, the leaving cert student. That must have been particularly challenging.
1: Yeah, and I, I think my of all of the the groups, I think that are that are affected by this, I really do feel sorry for that age group. Um, for the likes of you and me, we can rationalise things. We we've got certain life experiences, but they've missed out on a lot. Um, you know, they miss their friends, they miss that social interaction, and. It's a huge learning at that age, you know, and it is it, it, it's a big way of how you form your your views, how you your personality develops and how you interact with different people and meet new people as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as tough as it is, like the leaving cert, you, know, you learn a lot about yourself mm-hmm. during that. So they'll they'll your, your son will be part of that fairly unique cohort who are one of those who actually never never sat the actual exams. And, and now starting college, university, virtually, I'd imagine, kind of from home. I remember the excitement on, on day one, looking forward to that myself. So that, that's that's a whole new experience and a really, a really tough one, I would imagine.
1: It, it is really tough. Now, he's adapted quite well, I must say. And what I find great is there is a little bit of structure to it in the college that he's in. So I'm really, really glad about that. But he isn't meeting any new people. He doesn't know anybody in his class. Now, they they have a, a couple of Zoom calls where their project groups have gotten together. But it's just not the same. And I think that experience that you have in college where you're mixing with people that are so different to you, that actually helps you or it forms a really good part with regard to the type of person that you become in later life as well.
0: Absolutely. It really does. And one thing I, I, you know, I think is another challenge as well for or for organizations this time is if they're taking on graduates at this time, new recruits, mm-hmm. especially the, those kind of new graduates just coming out of university who don't have the chance to kind of meet their colleagues, their new colleagues in person, and they're trying to get up to speed. Again, yet another, uh, another awkward one, another virtual challenge that we're all facing
1: totally and uh, you know and we're, we're the same as, as any other organization and and it's really that it's that connectivity that is difficult you, there's a lot of stuff that you can do you can read and there's a lot of theory stuff but it is really that connectivity and feeling part of a team and feeling part of the culture of the organization that that you are uh, working for and it, it, it is tough it is tough but but I really think that you know over the last seven months that organizations have really adapted to the situations that they found themselves in you know i i see that from from aib's perspective as well uh with regard to you know um that we've got less Sorry, we've got less than than than, than 40% of our people working in the office at the minute, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, we, we would have never, ever, ever seen before. Um, and it's wonderful to see how we can adopt. And even, I suppose, uh, as we're talking about well-being, even to, to look at, at the way in which uh, I know my own organisation has adopted to the way that we're delivering and highlighting the importance of well-being across AIB.
0: Excellent. And we will definitely we'll get we'll get into that Take us back a little to what was life like at at AIB, kind of one of the most recognizable brands in the country. What what was that like for you pre COVID, if you like, and, and tell us a little bit about your role?
1: Yeah, will do. So I am head of uh, people engagement and customer services in AIB. And that role, I suppose, just tell you a little about customer services, first of all. So we're kind of the engine of AIB, and we are, I suppose, the back office of, of a lot of the activities that happen right across AIB, along with the contact centres fall under our remit as well. So we've got about 1,200 people that work within customer services, and we are based across a number of different locations. And we've got a very diverse working group as well. We will kind of hit all of the generations when it comes to the ages and the demographics of the different uh, groups that we have. So as part of my role, I would be responsible for driving the well-being agenda along with the training and development agenda and the engagement agenda for customer services. And a lot of that, I suppose, pre-COVID would very much have been face-to-face, kind of getting feedback from people, looking at what it is that we can do in order to help somebody uh, develop their career, uh, how we can uh, provide additional our training in order to be able to help them develop. Um, from a well-being perspective, again it was very much on in the office. So we would have, things like exercise classes we would be doing at uh, talk and walk on Wednesdays we would be doing kind of coffee mornings bake sales things like that and again very much people connecting with each other learning from each other and it's one thing i suppose that from my side i get a huge amount of energy from being with people so it it was it was great on uh, on that side so that's that's really the, the way it was beforehand and it certainly has changed
0: It it has changed. And I think you you have a a very kind of robust well-being structure in there as well, if I'm not mistaken. You recently appointed a a well-being officer, is it? And you actually have kind of a a governance team and, and advocates as well.
1: Absolutely. So I suppose if we go back to the end of 2018, our very first well-being officer was appointed in AIB. And that was brilliant to see because uh, across AIB, a number of pockets of well-being programs were beginning to sprout up, including our, our, our own one in customer services. And when the well-being officer was appointed, it very much brought together all of those well-being programs and everybody driving towards the same agenda. And it also meant that for the very first time, we had very strong leadership with regards to driving that that agenda. And looking at, I suppose, uh, the way in which it was, what, what we were looking at doing was being able to make sure that everybody across AIB uh, had the exact same experience. So just because in in one particular area, um, you very much got senior management buy-in for well-being, that shouldn't mean that In another area where there isn't that same buy-in, that they're getting a different experience or no experience at all. So when the wellbeing officer was appointed, we got together um, as a group and we developed a, a wellbeing council. And that council is responsible for driving the agenda and identifying what it is will best suit uh, the organisation at that time. Um, and I talk a little bit, I suppose, about how we reacted to COVID. And, and that will really show you how we, we gelled together in order to be able to drive um, a particular agenda. But what we also did at that time was we reached out to people who we knew were key advocates of well-being. And what we wanted to do is, we wanted to create a community, and this was very much kind of it's kind of both uh, bottom up and top down, because by having the wellbeing officer, uh, we certainly had the support of our exco. And then by driving it from the bottom up, uh, it was very much giving people autonomy as well with regard to uh, driving the agenda. And I suppose with autonomy comes ownership and people feeling more empowered and feeling more responsible for driving the agenda. And, you know, it, 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 we, we have seen that that, that has been a, a massive success. So I'm delighted to say, I suppose, now, let's say a year and a half on, we have over 100 Uh, well-being advocates right across AIB. And when I'm talking about AIB, I'm talking about both Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland, Great Britain, uh, Scotland, Wales, and also in the US, which is amazing. And we are so thrilled. And prior to COVID, we would have have gotten together for those people who were available uh, to look at some training that we could have done in order to support our advocates, looking at coming up with ideas as to what it is we would be able to drive, what agendas we'd be able to drive or initiatives we'd be able to drive drive on well-being. And it was great because that really helped us build that sense of community and that sense of all of us working towards the same objective and same goal. Uh, and unfortunately, I suppose with COVID, we've had to adapt and we've had to see how it is we're going to be able to, to drive that now and make sure that we're still staying connected and we still feel part of that community.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it sounds like a great community that you're, yeah. you're building. All right. And, you know, so headed up, it's, it's a full time well-being officer. Correct. You have kind of an overarching uh, steering, uh, well-being steering committee and then as you mentioned over the 100 well-being advocates mm-hmm. or you know some people might call them well-being champions yeah. and they're kind of dotted throughout the country uh diff- different kind of levels and i think executive sponsorship as you mentioned as well for for all of that
1: yeah, absolutely. And we do we do have executive sponsorship. So if we look at it, our, our chief uh, people officer, she is absolutely 100% behind this and strives well-being and any of the communications that we receive from her, it's very much with well-being in mind. And also what we've, we're looking at is that each one of our executive committee um, members, that they will be responsible for various elements of our well-being um, agenda. So for example, our, Uh, Chief Financial Officer, he's sponsoring our mental well-being stream. So that's, you know, to have that type of backing. And I think, you know, in any organization where we see that backing, uh, well-being will be a success because, you know, that that senior buy-in is wonderful. And I think when you have that buy-in from uh, such senior leaders, they're actually passionate about the agenda as well. Um, and it's not it's not just hearsay. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they are, even if I take the example of, of our chief financial officer during this month of October, he would have recorded a clip just encouraging everybody to take care of video clip, should I say, just encouraging everybody to take care of their mental health. And that was available to everybody uh, across AIB. Um, and it was lovely to see that. And it, it was it was lovely to see that we have that support in order to be able to drive our well-being agenda. And at that time as well, he would have used that clip uh, to launch our our Time to Talk initiative, which is is something I suppose we'll have a chat about as well, Brian.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say uh, this sort of senior leadership support is is incredibly important, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned it's probably one of the most popular questions that I get asked is, how do you how do you get that senior leadership support? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's something you had to work on. Is, is it something that's going to kind of develop naturally? There was kind of a natural buy in there.
1: I think I'd say I'd say it developed naturally. And uh, I think when you, when you see the commitment that AIB have with regard to having a well-being officer and, you know, the, the, the well-being officer having having access to people at such a senior level. And, you know, they, they're so bought into the idea around the importance of well-being, which means that that it did it very much did evolve naturally and uh, people willing to put their hands up at that senior level and say, I'm, I'm very happy to sponsor that that element or that channel or, or that particular initiative.
0: And that, that sponsorship and buy-in, you've kind of touched on it, but what does that look like? It's it's their communication, it's totally. their participation, <laughs> it's their, their input.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think I, I mentioned, I suppose, even from the, the, the chief people officer, you know, we get regular communications from her, whether it be from a video clip or whether it be in an email or even from uh, our, even, even from other senior people in, in, in the organisation. Well-being will always be mentioned um, in any form of, of of those communications. You know, even our CEO, uh, very much 100% behind well-being. and a lot of the clips again that we we get from him uh, will mention well-being and, and and mention I mean the importance of people looking after their well-being as well.
0: Really important, yeah, really, really good stuff. and we touched on community and kind of that social interaction that that you're you know, that you thrive on. What have you done in recent months kind of to kind of, uh, kind of promote that in, in the remote working environment? Have you done made any changes or introduced any new initiatives uh, through the Wellbeing Advocates?
1: Absolutely. So we've, we've had lots of different things that, that 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 we've done. So I suppose kind of the one that, that is just recently um, as part of was mental health month. What we've done is we've introduced an initiative called Time to Talk. And um, I suppose you'll, you'll be aware that we are a uh, distributor of uh, green ribbons on behalf of SeaChange and they have uh, also have an initiative called Time to Talk. And um, what we wanted to do was we want people to feel empowered just to take some time out, have that virtual coffee, have that virtual walk with, with their colleagues um, and know that there is somebody there in order to be able to support them. So what we've done is we've uh, provided training to uh, all of our advocates with regard to how it is you can spot um, somebody who is maybe having some difficulty, how you reach out to that person. And I suppose one of the most important things is is how that how to to signpost that person to the places in which they can actually find the help that they need. And that initiative was, as I said, it launched the beginning of, of, of this month. It was a brainchild of, of one of our advocates and one of our council members um, and has very much been taken up by everybody across the organization. Um, and it's lovely to see as those different um, messages with regards to what people are doing in order to take that time to talk. So that's one of our, our really kind of key initiatives um, that, that we have undertaken. I suppose prior to that, what we've had to do is is we've had to, I suppose, adjust the channels by which uh, we interact and we provide uh, well-being support. So there's a couple of things that, w- that we kicked off. So, uh, one we we introduced a well-being app which is Pep Talk and a fantastic app where there are various different podcasts where there are you can do exercise classes, uh, there are live talks on various different well-being um, topics, and also there are some of uh, there's areas where I suppose you can actually post some pictures as well. So we've had lots of competitions where uh, people can post. Uh, for example, it was in in way back in 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 the beginning it was what have you cooked or what what have your children cooked in a a baking competition? And I suppose if we looked at that in the pre-COVID days, if somebody would be tasting the food, whereas now you're looking at the picture and and you're making your recommendations uh, looking at that picture. But one of the most important things that we found in pep talk is, is that it's when our colleagues speak, our colleagues post pictures, uh, our colleagues record a podcast. They're the ones that get the most views. They're the ones that people really interact with. And it is that, I suppose, knowing the person, engaging with the person. And that was, that was something very interesting to see. I suppose one of the other areas on, I mentioned, I suppose, the podcasts and um, one of the podcasts that, that we've run is all around uh, financial well-being, because I think sometimes, you know, we know about the physical side and we know about the mental side, but we do forget a bit about the financial side as well. And I suppose these days that's as important as anything, because it, it can drive the problems that people may have from a, from a mental perspective as well. So there, one of the other things then, I suppose, was around kind of some quizzes that we had, and these would have been run at a local level uh, with some support from the, the, the centre, the, the wellbeing centre. And they would have been, you know, people interacting, interacting at a team level. And it, it was really kind of setting up those social chats as well. And So over Zoom, having a, a kind of a social social chat, forgetting about the work element of it. Um, and really, I suppose, staying connected the whole time.
0: Excellent. So quite a few kind of tools yeah. there. The app, uh, the Zoom calls, great for communication and connection while working remotely. Okay. And I, I love the, the time to talk example. And I particularly love the fact that that was that's an idea or a suggestion that came from, you know, one no. of the well-being advocates, that's kind of what they're Absolutely there for, isn't it? They're mm-hmm. there to feedback, to make suggestions, to input into the entire process. And here's one of their brainchilds, if you like, that's come to fruition now. And I think you're, you've got some kind of branding to go along with it as well. You've got your, I see, and if anyone's watching the video, you've got your, your pin there. There's think, also going to be yes. a virtual background mm-hmm. for, for colleagues as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think anybody who uh, may have visited our branch network uh, during October will have seen it on our digital screens. And it was similar to lots of other organizations. We will have kind of our own wallpaper when, when we log in. And that would very much have been appearing on the very first thing that you see when you log in in the morning. So, again, like it, it was just making sure that people know that that initiative is there. And that it it, just to take time to talk and just to take time to mind yourself as well.
0: Time to talk. Yeah, so powerful. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the mental health ally program at Accenture, if you like. So Mm -hmm. similar idea. And they they had some branding and they were influenced by by sea change also. So lots lots of kind of overlap there and interesting work. Can can I ask about the training for for your colleagues, for the advocates? How how did you kind of design that or how did that come about, the actual training for the time to talk?
1: Yeah, so we would have worked with a uh, college uh, CMIT w- with regard to what it is that we wanted to actually deliver th- through this program. So along with that, or that uh, college, we would have um, developed the-, the program. So it was very much looking at um, what are the signs that you should really be looking for. And one of the things that I absolutely I, I found really interesting uh, having gone through that training, it's really noticing the change in somebody's behavior. You know somebody who maybe usually is extremely chatty uh, when they're on a uh, in a meeting or on a call, and all of a sudden they're not communicating, or maybe somebody who isn't reaching out for a period of time. And it's really just being aware of those signs, and also you taking the time to reach out to that person to make sure that they're okay. Another part of that training that I found extremely interesting as well, and I suppose it leads into the kind of DNI agenda, was really around diversity and. Uh, you know that if people are are different for any particular reason whatsoever, the importance of them feeling included, and how by them not feeling included, the impact that it may have on their mental health. So we'll say again, we would have we would have had both the well being agenda and the DNI mm-hmm. agenda very much to the fore. And at the end of that training, we do ask people to complete a number of quizzes. And having completed those quizzes, they will then get a certificate that will say that they have completed that program. And what we have then done is is that we have communicated to the organisation to say that these people have received the, the um, training, and people can reach out to them if, if they need. And I suppose you mentioned earlier on around the advocates that there are different levels so within the organisation or different seniority. So I may not necessarily feel comfortable dealing or leading or sorry, reaching out to my senior leader or to my line manager, but I could feel very comfortable leading, reaching out to a mm-hmm. peer. And I think that's really the power of this as well. There is such a wide and diverse group available. But I think, again, it, it is really important to say that all these these groups are doing is is that they're reaching out, they're watching for the changes, and they're signposting and making sure then that anybody that they feel may be in difficulty, that they then making them aware of our uh, EAP or Employee Assistance Program and making them aware of what is available through that.
0: Yeah, excellent point. Uh, similar to you know mental health first aid or any of those programs, yeah. we're not we're not training anyone up as counselors. It's it's the signposting piece, it's the listening piece, yeah. and being aware of of the resources that are available that they can point people
1: towards. Exactly. And I think one of the things also um, that's very important is is not trying to solve somebody's problem. And the words in which the words that you use when you're talking to somebody who may be experiencing a problem. Yeah. You know, it's no point in telling somebody, oh, you'll get over it because you just don't know. know and that's probably something that they really don't want to hear because they probably heard it lots of times before so again as, as as part of the training that our advocates would have gotten it is this kind of things around body language when you're talking to somebody the words that you use and certainly the words not to use
0: yeah really good point point. It sounds sounds like a powerful, you know, and important training. Is it? It's so the advocates have gone through it around a one hundred and twenty or so. Are your plans mm-hmm. to expand it further? Do you think, or is it something that you'll think is just for the the advocates for now?
1: No, it's certainly something that we're looking at expanding. Um, we have taken just some time now to evaluate evaluate the program, uh, get some feedback from our advocates. We have had a number of requests from people who aren't advocates to attend the training, and uh, that that is something that we're, we're definitely looking at. I know from my own perspective, I'd love a number of my own people leaders to go through go through the program. Because I think, you know, we're, we're all in a situation at the minute where we're not as connected as what we used to be. Uh, we're not seeing the, 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 the signs, you know, the body language in the same way. And I think, you know, sometimes people can get a little bit lost. So I, I do think it's very important for every people leader to, to go through something like this, whether it's full training or whether it's something a little bit lighter. Uh, we, we really do need to. We are having a look at that to see. Uh, What it is we can best offer to people.
0: Very good. Yeah, very good. And the the advocates, it seems like they're they're certainly involved in in a lot of activities. I I Mm -hmm. believe you're kind of you're you're considering or you're looking at the potential for for 2021 and perhaps beyond that, well being can be included in their objectives.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that, that's something that we're looking at at the minute. Um, advocates are doing such amazing work, and sometimes and I suppose one of the things that I hadn't pointed out in the beginning is is that the advocates this is only a, a very small part of their job, and in fact, a lot of them it doesn't form an official part of their of their role. Uh, they have a, a, a very important role to to do for our, our customers uh, right across the organization. So one of the things that we really want to look at is is that how do we recognise the importance of the work that our advocates are doing and whether that's through, I suppose, um, objectives, we, we we really have to uh, assess that. But we 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 really feel it's terribly important that that work is recognised. Um, and if we look at how powerful the the advocates have been right throughout the last seven months, and the the various different kind of initiatives that they have run, the I suppose even kind of they they get involved in 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 things like fundraising um, from a, an advocate side as well, and. Um, it's, it's really keeping people engaged during this time and we just we really feel it is terribly important that they get recognised for that.
0: I, I agree with you 100% uh, and it's not something I've come across in Ireland as yet. I know some uh, some U.S. organizations are kind of formally recognizing well-being. It's one of the almost like performance objectives, if you like, yeah. for leaders. Uh, I think it's mainly people, people managers. So it would be great yeah. to see that some Irish organizations, perhaps the CCPC have something going on. But there's, I don't know I anything formally recognized. So it would be yeah. really interesting to hear how your own kind of conversations go in that regard.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it is like it, it, it's it's a work in progress. Yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, if, if you and I were having a conversation about well-being 18 months, two years ago, it would be very different. I think I mean, it's, it's amazing how far we've come in the last number of years. And, you know, I, I look back to when customer services set up their well-being program. It was really around kind of tackling absence in some ways. And then we very quickly realized that, you know, it's much bigger than that. You know, it, it's it's really around providing uh, an employee uh, proposition, really. If you look at all all of the research and you look at people who are, are looking at, at roles and organizations and what is it that attracts somebody to an organization, a lot of the time it'll look at, at their, their well-being proposition, their d proposition, their Social, I, I always get this one wrong. Um,
0: Corporate social responsibility. That's
1: right, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it it just shows how we've evolved. And, and I, I hope we continue to evolve and, and to recognise and just acknowledge the work that our advocates do on a, a daily basis.
0: It, it really is an important consideration, isn't it, for, for those <laughs> coming through the workforce now? Yeah, a really important consideration We've spoken about the, what life was like pre-COVID. We've spoken about how you've adapted. Any thoughts on what the, the future might look like if you had your crystal ball there? What, what would the future of work look like in, in, in six months, in 12 months time?
1: I know it's it's a really weird one, isn't it? Um and I suppose it's I, I, I did mention that AIB have forty percent of their people in the office at the at the minute and um you know we, we are we are viewed to be essential workers um and uh I mean our contact centers, our guys in our branches, like they're doing amazing work in order to be able to service our customers, keep the lights on. Um and uh, you know I I think it, it's so important to call that out and to to thank every one of them for the work that that they're doing, but I suppose if if we were to, to look at what the future of working is going to be, I think interestingly, uh, AIB would have would have we have recently surveyed all of their staff with regard to what it is, uh, how is it that they see their work. Uh, life playing out, and about eighty percent of them have come back to say that they they'd like to see a blended approach where people can come into the office sometimes and they can work from home sometimes. So I I really think that that's the way things are going to go. It'll very much be be blended, and that um, you know people. People will they'll come to, they'll come to the office for various things. and I think I think there will be you know we're never going to have um, a situation where people who work in our branch network are going to be able to work from home. Yeah. So we, we will have that whole blended approach depending on the role I suppose that you're undertaking.
0: Yeah, and you know, Tracy Carey was on the was on the podcast recently, and she said almost something identical to yourself there. I think it was it was the eighty percent as well mm-hmm. that we're looking for that blended approach. So the idea maybe two or three days in the office, two yeah. one or two days then from home as well. On top of that,
1: exactly. And I think you know if you even look at, at talking to, to people, particularly around now the, the, the work-life balance and not having to do that that commute. And I suppose, you know, it's awful important then that people who are spending that time at home, that they do log off, that they, they do kind of disconnect at the end of the day. Because I know for myself at the beginning um i was set up in the dining room as i said and uh like every time i came into the dining room i thought of work that isn't good so it is so important and again i mean t- given we're talking about, about uh, well-being it is so important for for all parts of your well-being for for you to 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 have that that break you know to try and 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 uh, compartmentalize your your work day and your 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 home day as well
0: sure and, and speaking of that, that disconnect. If I'm not mistaken, I just saw on saw the news very recently. AIB are they the first company in Ireland to introduce a policy on that the right to disconnect?
1: Well, we've we've recently uh, introduced that. We actually introduced it during the summer, oh. um, and we we worked with regard to um, launching that that right right to disconnect uh, policy. And it's very much around you know like. So I think we'll all agree that, I mean, our phones are stuck to our hands and we're constantly looking at our, at our emails. Um, what, what we're encouraging is, is, you know, people are em- empowered to, you know, take their lunch breaks, you know, t- go for a walk, you know, to, to disconnect. And I suppose one interesting thing that, that uh, I've seen in, in a number of emails that I've gotten from colleagues is uh, around flexible hours um, and people who may not now be doing the normal nine to five. Um, and what they're what they have at the end of their email is is that, you know, I'm now working flexibly. So if I respond outside of or if I mail you outside of your normal working hours, please uh, you, you don't have to come back to me until you are actually working. So that, 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 that is a, um, a really good thing. Um, and I think as well, it's, it's just empowering people with regard to not feeling that they always have to be switched on to work and that they can take that day off. They can take that hour off mm-hmm. and just give themselves some, some time away from work.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a positive step and empowering, yeah. as you said. Uh, I think France were the first country in the world to introduce, it's illegal right now. It's in law in France, mm-hmm. the, the right to disconnect so great, and I know it was being discussed in the doll pre COVID, right, certainly. Definitely. I don't know if I don't know if it's made any progress this that actual bill. So but great to see AIB take the lead and actually bring that in. So just interesting to see how that kind of settles down over the coming months and years. But I think it's definitely a positive step.
1: And I think I think each one of us have a responsibility to to make sure that we we do that, you know, um, and we have to we have to lead by example, um, you know. Senior leaders within the organisation are wellbeing advocates, are wellbeing council. You know, we, we do have to lead by example, and, and we need to make sure that that we are we are following that policy as well.
0: Well, it's a it's a it's a really great point um, because the leading by example is so important here, isn't it? I mean, if, if we're going to send that email at eleven p.m. at night. We're a senior leader, you know. There's, there's always that option to, to check to, to, schedule it for seven a.m. or eight a.m. the next morning. This kind of idea, because uh, people, people do even you know they might just see it. They might feel under pressure to respond mm-hmm. if they do see it. So we, we do have that option ourselves.
1: Exactly, exactly. And and I, I think uh, you know we, we do need to take ownership. Yeah. And uh, look, I'm as guilty as the next person, um, and I have had to have kind of serious conversations with myself to say you know put that away yeah. again. I honestly believe it's a habit, too, uh, because it's always there. And what is it? What say? How long does it take you to break a habit? Yes. So, you know, it, it is it is really, you know, we, we do have to kind of said, lead by example.
0: Yeah. Lead by example, model healthy behaviours. Speaking yeah. of which, we have we've concentrated mostly on the on the organisation, which has been incredibly mm-hmm. interesting. What about yourself, uh, Tony? What, are you doing anything yourself to look after your own well-being at, at this moment in time?
1: Well, I was, before COVID, uh, I, I, I do a lot of walking. So kind of lots of, uh, I continue to do that walking. So, you know, my my routine is still, I still get up at the same time. I take my dog for a walk in the morning. And I, I must say, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have an amazing park just beside me. Um, it's kind of this both wide open spaces and there's a fabulous forest and a, a river that runs through it. And I must say, during COVID, it was the one thing that really struck me. It was just the quietness. Uh, you could hear the river. Uh, it, was, it was fabulous. And uh, I, I come from the middle of the country uh, originally a long time ago. And, it, you know, it, it's that silence that you're used to when you live in, in the country. It just really brought it all back to me. Um, and and it was it was lovely. But I suppose, you know, I I do. I, I certainly need to get out. I need to get the fresh air. Um, and that, that's something that I have. Uh, I haven't stopped in any way. Uh, hail, rain or snow. Um, my, my husband is saying to me that, you know, you're mad going out there. But it just it just helps me just just clear clear the mind. And I, I suppose I've kind of reconnected with a lot of people that I, I may not have been in contact with for a long time. And that has been great. It, uh, it, so it has. And also, it was similar to everybody. You know, I'm, I'm doing the family Zoom calls. Uh, my family are, are kind of dispersed across the world. Um, and um, I've missed not seeing my sisters who are living abroad, um, you know, like we would have seen them during the summer, we would have been looking forward to Christmas together. Um, and it doesn't look like that, well, it didn't happen during the summer, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, for Christmas but it, it that zoom that we're all getting so used to that has really helped and um it, it's great to be able to connect to them like that so they're, they're kind of the things that I've been doing I haven't done any baking I'll be very honest <laughs> um uh, I haven't done any painting but um I I do I I just love the fresh air and I just love to be able to to to, to get out um and just spend that time outside
0: fantastic yeah I'm, I'm lucky enough to live beside a couple of parks as well it's it has been it's just been so important in my daily routine you mentioned routine routine so important just to get out there to get some fresh air mm-hmm. and uh yeah get into a bit of nature if you can and exactly. i did I heard on the radio this morning actually some really positive kind of uh statistics or an amount of people that are actually out walking it's like it's some, something like a 20 percent increase over the last six months or so 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 a lot of people I are kind of are are seeing the positives in this and getting outdoors
1: I'll tell you the park was fairly busy this morning and I was really surprised. Um oh, yeah. and as you as you're walking past people, you you can actually hear them saying, It's very busy here this morning. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, no, no, it is. And one one other thing I suppose that, that I've kind of taken up is we used to have exercise exercise classes which were run in the office um and they've now now gone virtually. So I try and do uh maybe one or two classes uh during the week with my camera off because I'm t- <laughs> they barely push you. Mm-hmm. So that, that that that's just been something
0: else I've taken up recently. That's great. I mean, Zoom is so good, isn't it? You can and you can you can connect in so many ways. As you as you mentioned, kind of rekindling with some maybe some old friends or family, uh, distant family, and then also you can, you can actually get a bit of a virtual workout in with with, with the camera yeah. on or off. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely off, Brian. You're, you're, you're
0: an off person. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, listen, Tony, you've, you've been so good today sharing all, all those details, all that information. Where can people go to find out more about yourself and the work that you're doing?
1: Well, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, Brian is probably the best place if anybody wants to connect.
0: Excellent. Yeah. We'll, we'll share those details. Great. Listen, Tony, thanks so much again.
1: Brian, thanks a million. Take care. It's great to talk.
0: Take care and stay safe. You too. And that is a wrap. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. If you're interested in learning more about workplace well-being, if you want to educate yourself in this area, then head on over to workwellinstitute.org, where I'm launching my online education programs. You can learn all about my eight-step framework for developing a workplace wellness program that lasts, and that's through a self-paced online program. So go to workwellinstitute.org to find out more. Now to stream or download more podcasts, you can go to workwellpodcast.com. You'll also find show notes for each episode there. Original music for this podcast was composed by my great friend, Greg Clifford. I would love if you could head over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I know it's a pain. I know it's it's a chore. It's an awful chore, isn't it? But it would be very much appreciated if you could do so. If you like what you heard today, please do share this episode with your friends so they too can discover the podcast. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show, email me directly, brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, wash your hands, stay safe, and I will see you on the next episode.